How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to this episode of Market Saints. Back again, second week in a row. We just came back from break, and guess what? Next week is spring break. It's kind of a funky week in February, huh? Yeah, it's it's a weird choice. I wouldn't even really call it spring yet. I, I've heard people calling it reading week part two. Yeah, it's kind of like a cold weather spring break. It's a little bit funky, but I guess we're here for it. So in the topic of spring break, we are here to talk about what today, Stu? We're talking about tequila. Um, we're talking about we're talking about tequila, something that hopefully many of us will partake in over spring break. Tequila's had quite an interesting run this past year or two because you would think a lot of people suffered during COVID. Tequila, they're supplying bars and restaurants that are now not able to be open, so you would have to think that it would hurt the tequila business pretty severely, right? Wrong. So from uh, Steve Louth, a CEO of uh, Tequila Partith, this sums it up pretty good. When times are good, people drink. When times are bad, they drink more. And that was very much the case over COVID. So basically what happened was you had companies cutting costs. So big suppliers that usually would buy a lot of tequila obviously were not buying at the same demand. But what really came to save tequila over COVID was e-commerce. We saw a massive boom of people buying e-commerce online. And tequila's kind of going through what whiskey went through about a decade ago, where consumers are looking for more refined versions with a smoother taste rooted in authentic stories. Right. So something you really want to look at here is the number one cocktail sold in America is a margarita. And that's generally using a very cheap, low-end tequila, something that hasn't been aged very long. And it's going to be a Jose Cuervo, something like that. But... With COVID, people kind of moving away from this bar scene because there wasn't a bar scene then. The tequila industry started to see growth in other areas. They started to see things in their reposados, their añejos, their extra añejos, these aged tequilas, which also get exponentially more expensive. So tequila as an industry has been pretty much the fastest growing spirit uh, category in the world. So between 2000 and 2020, uh, the industry's regulatory body, uh, the production of tequila in Mexico, increased from 181 million liters to 374. So we're looking at almost two times. So, Cole, one of those things that I think we should bring up here about that regulatory body is the fact that they do make tequila specific to Mexico. So for a, a bottle to qualify as genuine tequila, it has to be over 51% blue agave plant made, harvested, and distilled in Jalisco, Mexico. So even to add on to that, right? So during this same period that I talked about, 2000 to 2020, with the blue agave, the production of 100% blue agave tequila soared from 25 million liters to 228.3 million, which is, what, a nine times increase? It's absolutely wild. But the thing is, the reason it's so critical to this industry is the fact that if you look at a lower-end tequila, something that you're going to find for $3 in a well at your local dive bar, it's going to say 51% blue agave if it's tequila on the lowest end. Whereas if you're going to look at a higher-end tequila, something that's running for above $100 a bottle, it will certainly be 100% blue agave. So I'm sitting across here from a, a, a junior bartender, it seems. So why don't you just explain real quickly, just for the context of blue agave and whatnot, how you make tequila. All right, so it's and, actually, oh wait, on top of that, what qualifies as tequila? Because geographically, it seems to really matter. Right. So yeah, I'll start there. So like I said, for it to be qualified as tequila, it has to be qualified by the regulatory body in Mexico, and they protected this industry 
and kept it in Mexico by ensuring that tequila, proper tequila can only be made in Jalisco. Now, you can make a mezcal, you can make other agave-based liquors or spirits outside of Jalisco. But, so back to the agave, the, the critical part of the equation here is the agave. So for a, prop, for a blue agave plant to mature, it takes about seven years. And tequila has been seeing this massive nine, what, nine, 9x? 9x on 9x blue in, agave, yeah. Yeah, 9x in this demand or supply, supply issue. So, they're seeing, so you have years behind in the agricultural aspect. Yeah, so it's not exactly sounding, I mean, I'm not a tequila expert myself. I've been uh, reading up on it beforehand, but it's not something that you can really rush when you, when you can't, you can't rush aged wine. You can't rush these sorts of, you know, it, it takes time to actually grow. And unfortunately, when you have a boom in say 2020, we might not see the repercussions of that boom until seven years when they're upping their plantage and whatnot to keep up with the supply that was already seven years in the past. Right, exactly. And you're also geographically constrained. Like we said, Jalisco is a state in Mexico. You can you can only make tequila there. So you're also seeing, um, we've also seen from these executives, the, so the article that we looked at interviewed lots of tequila executives. They're seeing massive growth outside of just tequila in Avila, Mezcal, Sotol, um, I'm going to butcher this one, Racila, and Bancanora. And because it's, these are other types of t- agave-based spirits that are just being made either outside of Jalisco or with other types of agave. Okay, so paired with, you know, tequila, the industry, we got a little bit of context now. Let's talk about uh, the stock that we want to talk about. So there's a company that we're pitching, Constellation Brands. And it's Stu, essentially about, Mr. Spring Break. Yeah, how about how about you introduce us, t- tell us a little bit about the company. So it's, it's kind of a bigger parent company. You may not have heard it before, but it definitely owns a lot of brands that you have heard of before. Right, so Constellation, like Cole said, does own lots of brands we've all heard of, seen ads for. They own, all, they own Corona, obviously all of them, Light, Premier, Extra, The Seltzer. Um, I guess now they make a Corona Refresca. But they also own Modelo, which is another massive um, cerveza beer company. And then they own wine companies. I'm not as familiar. They're not bigger names like that. But they also own, like we said, tequila. They own Casa Noble. They own Mi Campo. Um, and they also own Svedka Vodka. So interestingly enough, if you, if you look back, the company did take a little bit of a dip in the early COVID pandemic, probably because people made the... It's a very senseless but understandable connection between COVID, you know, COVID and Corona, the beer. And uh, they definitely suffered a little bit because sales of Corona were way down. And obviously now people have maybe screwed their heads on straight and uh, kind of buy Corona now as a meme, as a mockery of coronavirus at this point. So we've done a little bit of a 180. Yeah, I remember those uh, those memes. That was kind of funny. Yeah. So. As the stock goes right now, it's on a little bit of a dip, which is why we're picking we're pitching it because I think it's a good buy point. And there's another reason that I'll go over in a minute, but it's around 218 right now. It's 52 week range is between 207 and 258, so it's definitely on that lower end of the one year. And you can see even through a pandemic, you know, 50 bucks on a stock value, you know, between 2 250 is not really too major of a mover. It's got a beta of about 1.18, so it's not incredibly volatile, maybe a little bit more than the market average. But I definitely think it would be an interesting stock to invest in because currently there is a big news story coming that could come to fruition in the next week or two that 
uh, Constellation brands that we just talked about, you know, owning popular vodka, wine, and beer brands are trying to pair or merge rather with Monster Energy. So this would be a really, really big and interesting combination of companies. Right. So the reason I think well, we've seen this is Monster has been trying to make their way into the alcoholic beverage field. They purchased a massive group of craft breweries called Canarchy, and they've been producing, I believe it's a alcoholic energy drink. Yeah. So they just bought it in January for $330 million, which is you know a pretty hefty acquisition. And that was in January. So obviously this was really relevant. Monster's definitely trying to move into this field. And the two companies combined market value would be nearly $92 billion. And the structure of the deal is unknown right now because obviously a lot of those things happen behind closed doors, but they both have really similar market capitalization. So, you know, Constellation Brands is at $44.3 billion and Monster's at 43.7. So this seems like it'd be a pretty advantageous, you know, acquisition or not acquisition, merger rather for both of these companies who are experts in different fields. So you have Monster Energy, who's pretty much one of the leaders in the lucrative and booming energy drink market. So they hold a 39% share in 2020, second only to Red Bull, which would bring a really, really attractive distribution network and steady, you know, revenue stream. You know, their Monster is the sponsor of so many different gamers, the rest of it, Oh, they're everywhere. I mean, if you it's Red Bull and Monster. It seems like every time you see somebody jumping out of a plane or going off a ramp, they're either wearing Monster or Red Bull. Or, yeah, in some sort of monster truck or something. So it it's kind of a very interesting play because if you have this sort of acquisition where you're combining kind of just beverages as a whole, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, we might see more significant players call it Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you know, uh, any of these sorts of, of uh, competitors searching for new opportunities to kind of compete. And it's, I mean, Cole, Cole brought up that their potential market cap would be. It, it would bring them into the same kind of league as something like Anheuser-Busch InBev, the people pushing Budweiser, Bud Light, um, I believe also Naturalite. You know, those, and that's a massive, that's a different ballpark. All of a sudden you're, I mean, I think Corona ads are pretty prevalent already, but all of a sudden you have the same kind of funds to boost your other the other aspects of your business. Yeah, this would be definitely really, really huge for them to be able to combine and kind of create one bigger umbrella company. Because if you look at, I, I saw this the other day, it was uh, basically this massive chart where it gave me like five, 10 companies like Nestle, you know, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, call it a couple other companies. And it was just like this massive tree saying, hey, basically five companies own every company you've ever heard of in your entire life. And while this is definitely on a smaller scale than some of these massive holding companies that just own everything and are just in every single possible market, this is a really, really big move for two companies that are worth upwards $50 billion that would make them attractive to acquire maybe other companies and other brands. Maybe they want to stick to beverages because it seems like they're both excelling in two separate uh, you know, fields there. But being able to now compete long-term with a company like Pepsi or Coca-Cola, stay relevant for longer, and maybe we'll see something like an alcoholic monster drink. You know what I mean? Like I Actually, I think they already exist, do they not? Uh, yeah, it's called Four Loco. <sighs> Four. Don't talk about Four <laughs> Loco. Four Loco is 
not FDA regulated. That no, is... that, that stuff was, I, there might have been some crack sprinkled in there. Yeah, probably. Well, there's a little bit of something, I'll tell you that. But uh, no, seriously, Cole, it really just brings them up to the point where, like you said, they could start acquiring other things, start looking at other possibilities. I mean, tequila is going crazy right now. You don't just have to reinvest into your alcoholic energy drinks. Maybe you, or maybe you make the first tequila-based alcoholic energy drink. But, I mean, you see these little brands popping up all of a sudden. George Strait has one. Michael Jordan has a brand. Uh, Mark Wahlberg just came out. They're, they're popping up absolutely everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you look at, yeah, alcohol brands are, The Rock is a very successful one. And I just pulled up Monster Beverages um, stock as well. And they're sitting in a very similar place to Constellation here where their 52-week range is between 80 and 99. So again, a, a fairly stable stock, you know, moving up and down about 20% on the year at its high and low point. And they're sitting around 82 currently. So they're definitely on the way lower end of that 52-week range. And what we know about mergers is that this could be a massive bump in the stock price. It could be temporary. You know, we saw Activision when they were acquired by Microsoft, they saw upwards of 20, 30% increase immediately. So this is a little bit of a betting play because mergers are obviously not guaranteed, but it seems like if a merger is going to happen, it will be announced in the next two to three weeks. Well, I'll tell you, I'm bullish on it because they're timing it just right for that spring break bump. You know, you get Monster, you get Red, uh, I'm sorry, you get Monster, you get Tequila. They're going to they're gonna tear you down. They're going to build you back up the next morning. Exactly. And, you know, their beta is sitting around the same at 1.14. I think I said Constellations was 1.18. So I think this could be a really advantageous combination. It's not like one of, you know, it's not like an acquisition where sometimes you have, you know, what what was it like forever ago? This is a different example, but Enron trying to merge back with, you know, Dyson Energy or whatever it was called uh, forever ago, where it was kind of like a bankrupt company just trying to save everything. These are two excelling companies that have very, very uh, high potential brands under their, under their name that are very publicly known, I think this could help Constellation a lot in marketing value because we just went over it. I We saw all of the alcoholic companies they own. I recognize the name of about two of them. Corona definitely is the biggest name they own. But Monster Energy, I think the reason they've got as far as they've gotten, same thing with Red Bull, energy drinks, they're all basically the same crap. It's a very you know similar combination of stuff. It's all about aesthetic and it's all about marketing. Like, it's about how many guys you can get jumping out of planes wearing your helmet. So, yeah, you, you got Red Bull guys with, like, Evil Knievel shooting himself out of a cannon with a Red Bull, out of a Red Bull cannon with a Red Bull helmet into a Red Bull net. Or, like, kayaking down the side of a building that says Red Bull. Yeah, like, you got guys doing crazy stunts that you want to watch just for the sheer audacity of a human actually doing that. And then you have Monster on the other side, which I've noticed taking a little bit of a different approach. Monster definitely does sponsor athletes, but... I've seen them much bigger in gaming, where you'll go on Twitch streaming. I remember Ninja, who was a massive streamer for a couple of years, still is. But back in the Fortnite boom, this guy was getting 10 million views on a video. Easy. He was getting 500,000 concurrent people watching him like live. And he was you had monster plastered all over his well, screen. Well, I remember uh, back in the day, you talked about Activision. Do you remember the Call of Duty, like Mountain Dew, that weird kind of yeah, synergy thing about. they had going on? I mean... I could see them doing the same thing with Monster. I mean, yeah, like and, you, said. you know, Monster has an iconic logo that everybody would recognize from, you know, I shot all the way across the room. So I think it's a really cool and interesting combination. I mean, Tiger Woods carried a Monster Energy golf bag for, I think it was a year. See, exactly. So Monster is incredible at marketing. 
I've never heard of Constellations in my life. Granted, Monster Energy, the company, is their you know, housing company and also their brand name. So obviously if Corona was called Constellation, I would know the name. But I think it's definitely a very advantageous combination. And yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes in the future. The tequila industry is obviously booming, which, you know, could be very interesting for a company like Constellation. And we'll see how they're able to reap the benefits now because I don't think they're going to be able, we said it before, to produce to the scale that tequila is is wanting to be demanded right now. Yeah, absolutely, Cole. And just coming full circle here, I, I really do think that this kind of unique potential merger could just I mean the money that they'd be bringing in the kind of liquid assets they would have it'd just be liquidity it just it would really allow them to go in way many different directions and really take their company to the next level so you're the tequila expert here obviously Mexico is only so big and it seems like the tequila demand is growing and uh, we've we found out a while back in Russia as well as China with mass famine that planting plants too close together grows nothing. So you're eventually going to run out of room in this particular Mexican region. Do you think maybe, I mean, I know maybe you're not a tequila expert yourself, but definitely more knowledgeable than me. Are they going to have to, for the sake of capitalism and revenue, plant somewhere else, plant in broader places, maybe call it tequila, something, something else. But yeah, that's, I think you're already seeing a lot of that. Um, I think that I'm not sure that they'll give up that brand that region ever would because it's just so profitable for themselves. But um, I can definitely see if you find a similar climate, that article that we read, it looked at uh, Australia, yeah, it which seems, certainly is in Mexico. Yeah, well, it seems Australia has a very, very um, good geographical location to grow that blue agave. Well, I think that, well, I think in combination with the fact that we're seeing that the public is more knowledgeable about, you have more people that care about how was this beer made? How was this spirit distilled? How was, oh, how was that cocktail shaken? You get more people who want to have more involvement with their drinks, especially after COVID. I think you're going to start to see people aren't just going to start looking for tequila. They're going to start looking for agave based spirits. And so I think it's, I think it's a growth industry for sure. Awesome. Well, definitely look into those companies, everybody, because I think they're very attractive for future investments. So if this merger does go through, expect a massive bump in those two stocks. And maybe in about a month or so, we'll come back to this and we'll kind of just see where the companies are at. We've been pretty right historically, not to toot our own horn. We've, we've hit some pretty big predictions. I, I could, I'm pretty sure we trashed Peloton like four weeks ago. We, more than that. It was like probably two or three months ago we trashed Peloton, and they're not doing too hot. They're breaking we, banks. We pitched, They're breaking banks. We pitched Moderna before the massive bump. We pitched NVIDIA. We pitched Lock, Lockheed Martin at one NVIDIA point. NVIDIA was, lack of better words, it was electric. The Russian uh, conflict threatened threatening conflicts seems to be doing quite good for Lockheed. So, you know, we, we were in talks about that a while back because I mean, nobody could have predicted a war, but you know, Lockheed Martin is definitely benefiting. Well, market Saints capital is coming soon. There's a minimum buy-in of a hundred K. Yeah. Let us know if you're interested in being investors. Um, yeah. Minimum hundred K buy-in. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Hey, have a happy spring break guys. Um, make sure you're buying constellation brand drinks. Exactly. Bump up our stock price, make us look good. You as an individual can definitely make a difference on the overall billion dollar companies. Uh, and yeah, have a good spring break. I guess we're only saying that to ourselves because a lot of people listening might not be on spring break, but we're going to have a good spring break. We'll be back in the end of February, 
probably like around that last couple of days because we'll be gone for about a week or so but we'll be back and uh yeah enjoy the end of february yeah yeah absolutely go find a corona all right see you guys next episode